Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Head on over to the website and join the Travel Club. The website is TravelingCulturati.com. You know you want to be part of the fun and travel with us. We go to some fantastic places and do some wonderful things with some wonderful people. So I'm sure you want to do that, too. Summertime, that's what we're talking about today. Summertime travel. Yes, you know that song 1991 by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yes, that never gets old. Never, ever, ever gets old. And I just love hearing it in the summertime. It just really uh, speaks to me. And the way my summer was when I was teenage, 20s. reminiscing of summer. It also puts me in the mindset of summer travel because it encompasses many types and forms of travel from road trips to international flights. And today, executive producer Jean Harley will join me with some summertime travel trends, destinations, money, and time-saving tips. Of course, we'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the culture report but you know what time it is it's time for travel news uh there's a retired flight attendant uh that a story that i came across and she imparted 12 etiquette rules of air travel especially with the summertime coming up you want to be prepared for it and you want to be courteous you want to have some common sense and you want to make the overall experience pleasant for yourself and for your family so after 21 years this flight attendant of course has seen it all and certainly the pandemic heightened some of those tensions uh, uh, escalating violence on board too so we definitely want to try to avoid all of that so number one Everyone has the right to recline. I know. Blame it on the airline. I don't like it either when that seat comes back in my lap. I have long legs and yes, it's right into my knees. However, they have the right to recline just like you do. However, there's some etiquette involved in it. You should look behind you. That's an indication that you're about to recline and maybe they have their tray down or something like that. You don't just jerk your seat back without any consideration of the person behind you. So just have some consideration. Clean up after your children. Yes, you know, you just can't let your children run amok. How about teaching them how to behave in public just as you do? You don't do the same things at home that you do in public. Or you have manners in public and at home, but you consider other people. So you should do the same thing. And flight attendants don't want to clean up behind your children. So if you've given them snacks and all of those things, uh, just make sure you're cleaning up behind them. You know, the airlines always come through with the trash bags. So get it together and help them help you make it more manageable. Your space is cleaner. It's cleaner for your seat mates and it's cleaner for the flight attendants. Uh, Those overhead bins. I don't get this one. She says here, overhead bins aren't your personal Tetris game. The bins are first come, first serve in economy class. You don't own the spot directly above your seat, and it's not acceptable to take out someone else's bag to make yours fit. Sliding bags to maximum space is fine, but save the complex puzzle solving for the flight attendant. And remember, small bags belong at your feet in this underneath the seat in front of you and keeping room for large bags is for the overhead bins. Uh, No one wants to hear your FaceTime conversation. Yes, some people are just loud. Now I've had a conversation or two on a plane, but I'm always whispering, yes. And I let my, whoever I'm talking to know that I'm on a call and I don't make it too personal. And it's basically just really anything that's necessary that I need to do before uh, take off. But yeah, we, we don't want to hear the loud conversation and the FaceTime and all of that. You can wait a little bit <laughs> when you get off the plane. The middle seat. Well, you ever wonder about the armrest? Who gets what armrest? Well, the person in the middle seat, they get both. 
because they don't have an aisle and they don't have a window. They're kind of wedged in the middle there. So the most comfortable thing for them is to be able to get both armrests. So don't hog it. Yeah. Um, headphones are perfectly acceptable. Conversation enders. Although some people just don't uh, heed <laughs> the hint. <laughs> so let me tell you something. If you're sitting next to someone and you're awfully chatty and the person puts on their headphones, that's an indication. That's a sign, an indication. I don't want to talk to you anymore. So just be pleasant and polite and stop the chatter. Now, this I never understand. People who take their socks off. Keep your socks on. Do you really want to go barefoot? on a plane that a million people and their shoes and spills and all sorts of things have been on. No. So keep your socks on and definitely don't put your feet on the armrest between the seat in front of you. That is just rude. Socks or no socks. That's just rude. Uh, don't discipline other people's children. Now, I will say that I've often had an eye roll, but I'm not going to discipline them. That's really for their parents to do. But parents discipline your children. The airplane is not a playground. And deal with your seating issues before you get on the plane. If your family is split up, you know, you may want to check with the gate agents to see if they can assist you. Um, with seating charts or anything like that, because it's, 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 it's a bit crazy, you know, when you get on the flight and then the flight attendants are trying to manage this and playing uh, musical chairs. Don't, you don't have to switch seats if someone asks you. Of course, if you can and you're willing and, you know, you want to be nice, then do so. But understand, you don't have to. You can say no. Um, <laughs> this last one, flush, please. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into that, but yeah, that was one of them. Talking about, uh, bags, uh, checking your bags, you know, Frontier, a lot like Spirit Airlines, they charge you to carry on a bag. So they charge you for the overhead bin. The only bag that they don't charge you for is the one that will fit underneath the seat in front of you, which is a small personal bag, 14 inches by 18 by eight. That is the maximum. And they even have those bag sizers at the gate. So if they see a bag that they think is too big, they'll make you put it in there. If it doesn't fit, then you have to pay. It will cost you more if you wait until you get to the gate to uh, check a bag or to carry on a bag to put in the overhead bin. Well, this traveler has complained and accused Frontier Airlines of gaslighting passengers and making them pay for that extra bag, even though their bag should fit or fits into the bag resizer, which means they shouldn't need to put it in the overhead bin. Gate agents get an incentive of $10 for every bag that they can uh, collect a fee for. But Frontier says that the fee is simply an incentive for airport customer service agents to help ensure compliance with policies and that all customers are treated equally. Hmm. You know, every time you have those kind of incentives, people are just going to, you know, be self-serving with it. Um, but yeah, they do have a bag sizer. Go online, look up the policy, measure your bag. And that measurement, 14 by 18 by 8, must include the handles, the wheels, and the straps. And it must fit inside that sizer that's at the gate. Otherwise, you're going to have to pay. And it can cost you $100 just to put your bag on the plane in the overhead bin. But I tell you one thing, I would rather pay that than to pay to check my bag. And then that way I get off the plane and I have my bag. So if you're going to pay for it either way, it's better to have it with you. United Airlines CEO has given a little hint that there's going to be a massive Washington Dulles expansion. I'm seeing more and more international flights in that area leaving out of Washington Dulles Airport. And uh, they have banks. So a bank um, is 
a flight or a, a group of flights that occur at airport hubs. And there's several flights arriving and departing within a short period of time. And then, of course, in between those times, you won't find many flights. So they're basically maximizing flights during certain periods of the day. So typically those peak periods like early morning and then the afternoon or what they call like the rush hour and then the late evening. Um, So they're going from four banks at Washington Dulles Airport to seven flight banks. Yeah, so that's that's a big deal because again, we're not talking about one flight. We're talking about multiple flights coming in and out of an airport during a bank or uh, during a period. Uh, so the first thing is that Newark's Inter- Liberty International Airport is crowded and that's United's other hub. And they've already started cutting back on those flights at Newark in an effort to improve operations. So that's one reason why. Dulles has both the real estate and the runway space for both growth and infrastructure. Secondly, it does now appear that Washington Dulles will move forward with its long-awaited terminal infrastructure update. United is still using temporary concourses in C and D that were built in the 1980s. So while the project may be years away, a new state-of-the-art new terminal would instantly make Dulles a much more desirable hub for connections. Third, United is opposing the lifting of the perimeter rule at Washington National Airport, but it's likely to lose that case. Now, the perimeter rule at National Airport, which prohibits long-distance flights, with some exceptions, was originally intended to protect Washington Dulles Airport. Such protection is no longer reasonably needed, but the lifting of the perimeter rule would force United to more fiercely compete, not just at Reagan, airport, but also at Washington Dulles. And finally, the Metro Silver Line now runs all the way to Washington Dulles. So that in itself, that ability that cheaply and efficiently allows you to reach Washington Dulles Airport uh, will make all the difference. Yay. Now, Jamaica is welcoming frontier flights from Dallas to Montego Bay, continuing to expand ease of access to the island for U.S. travelers. Jamaica welcomes new service from Dallas, Fort Worth to Montego Bay. The inaugural flight took place on May 22nd, and it'll operate nonstop flights from Dallas, Fort Worth to Montego Bay three times weekly. With the addition of this new service, the carrier now serves 10 routes from the U.S. to Jamaica, from Atlanta, Miami, um, to Kingston, and from Atlanta, Chicago, Denver, um, Miami, Orlando, Philadelphia, and St. Louis to Montego Bay. So you can check out the flight schedules at flyfrontier.com. Discount carriers, yes. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, executive producer Gene Harley and I will delve into some summertime travel trends, destinations, and money and time-saving tips. I'm Javon Harley, the Traveling Culturati on Sirius XM 141 HUR Voices. The world is a book, and those who do not travel read only a page. See the world with Advantage International. Advantage specializes in group travel and offers group trips to top destinations around the world. Join an existing group or have a travel specialist at Advantage design that special trip for your organization, family, school, or church. Go to Advantage-INTL.com for a current trip or call Advantage at 1-877-428-2773. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com. Don't forget to connect with me on social media and join that travel club. As summer heats up, it's time to prepare ourselves for a healthy dose of summer travel. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. As summer heats up, it's time to prepare ourselves for a healthy dose of summer travel. After all, the last thing you want to add to your summer vacation is an illness. Here are my travel tips to help you manage while you're away from home. 
first thing you want to do is check in with your doctor. It's important to schedule a doctor visit about four to six weeks before your trip, especially if you're traveling outside of the country. Your doctor may suggest certain vaccines or medications, even a COVID vaccine. You want to refill prescriptions and bring over the counter medications with you. Running out of prescriptions and medications when you're away from home can cause you unnecessary stress. Know your health coverage. Find out if your health care provider offers a travel clinic in your area and contact them before you travel as well as other care options at your destination. Eat and drink in moderation. I know it's hard to do, but being on vacation can make it easy to overindulge. So it helps to strike a balance between nutritious meals and occasional splurges. So if you have a hearty dinner planned, consider eating lighter and plant-based during the day. Stay hydrated. When you're outside enjoying the sun, you can sometimes forget to drink enough water, and this can make you dehydrated, which can cause fatigue, headaches, and serious health problems in severe cases. Make sure you keep a full bottle of water with you and bring extra water for any children or pets that you may be traveling with. When you're flying, bring an empty water bottle through airport security, and you can fill it later once you're through. Stay active. Even if you've planned your vacation for pure relaxation, try to get at least 30 minutes of physical activity each day. Rest up. Traveling can take a toll on your body, especially if you're headed to a different time zone. So you might feel tempted to push yourself because you want to see and do everything. But exhaustion puts you at higher risk for illness and injury. And Lastly, make sunscreen your friend. I know for my melanated friends and family, we often forget this step, but SPF is very important to have. Those hours spent outdoors, sightseeing, or at the beach mean there's more time in the sun and those harmful rays. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. Well, today... We are going on summer vacation, and I have to tell you that uh, when I think of summer, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is that uh, Summertime by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. So whether you're on a road trip or you're going to fly internationally, uh, we've got some summer tips. We've got some summer destinations travel trends, and money and time-saving tips. Joining me today is executive producer Jean Harley. He's going to help me tackle some of these summer travel tips. Hello, Jean, and welcome back. Hi, Javon. Good to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, are you ready for the summer? Uh, no, not really, because, you know, summer travel is a great thing, but for those of us who are in the business or traveling all the time, it's the time that I really want to stay put. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing we were marveling at as we have passed Memorial Day. Now, Memorial yes. Day isn't really summer or the beginning of summer, but it feels it's that way. It, it yes. is that kind of kickoff. But one thing we were realizing at our staycation in mm -hmm. Chicago is that the city was empty. A lot of folks left the city. And so it was really nice to enjoy your home base without a lot of people around. I think major cities like Chicago are becoming like major cities in Europe, like Paris, where the summertime sees the exodus of the locals and really just set up more for the tourists. But it means that the places that locals will go to are not going to be always so crowded. Yeah, that's certainly true. Well, that being said, I want to talk about some of those top Google searches for summer of 2023. So we're talking about June through August. Uh, so summer starts, what, June 21st? That's yes, the summer the equinox. equinox. Mm -hmm. Yes. And at the top of the list, and this is based on Google searches, yes. you have London, followed by Cancun, Mexico, uh, well, Cancun, Mexico, mm -hmm. Paris, you have... Orlando, Florida, you have Rome, and of course, New York City. Those were the top uh, Google searches for destinations for 2023. And it's an interesting mixture because it includes pretty much what like a lot of people are looking for. Domestic destinations you can drive to or get to in short haul, and also long haul destinations. But many of them have been at the top forever, 
London, Cancun, Paris, New York City. I don't, doesn't matter when you look and what time of the year, three of those at least, London, Paris, and New York City are going to always be at the top of a list. Yeah, I was actually surprised that London was at the top of the list followed mm-hmm. by Cancun because yes. I thought Cancun, Mexico would probably be number one or at least Orlando, Florida would be number one because that is a summer vacation, especially for families. Yes, it, it is, but uh, Florida and the Cancun are going to be easy destinations the beaches at this time of year on the coast are going to be big destinations i was surprised not to see places like los angeles well los angeles was on the list but i'm talking but, about in the top but five. not the very not the very very top mm-hmm. so some of the other destinations well let me just say that european uh, destinations and cities just were trending yes europe is on the map since the pandemic that's where everybody wants to go and again, Rome, London, Paris are at the top of that list. But also on that list in Europe are Barcelona, mm-hmm. I'll say it the proper way, and Dublin also making the list. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Uh, summer vacation areas that are going to be in the States, in North America, United States. We already saw in New York City, but Los Angeles, as you said, further down the list. But Seattle in there, Miami in Chicago, of course, we already know because we're here. Boston and San Francisco. These are big summertime destinations. They certainly are. And Tokyo made the list. Now, Tokyo, I think a lot of people really want to go there. It's always a top destination. But as far as summer goes, because Tokyo has recently, in on the last, what, four or five months, opened yes. their borders mm-hmm. uh, post-pandemic. Yeah, Japan is now open for tourism. And I think a lot of these destinations reflect the fact that people were locked down for three years and some of these destinations like Japan just open. So uh, there's an overwhelming demand for some of these European and Asian destinations. Yes, and still on the list as these top 20 destinations, uh, but a little bit further down the list are Jamaica, Bora Bora, um, and now I, I pretend to like to go to those places in the winter time, that's but right. that's just me. Mm-hmm. Turks and Caicos, the Maldives, and Myrtle Beach, and mm-hmm. finally uh, South Carolina. Poor Myrtle Other, Beach in Myrtle South, Myrtle Carolina. Beach, South, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. The, the beaches of the Carolinas are going to always be on the list for the summertime because the temperature there is oh, hot and warm and the water is nice, but it's not a destination you go to in the wintertime. That's right. Where the others you already mentioned, you know, those other ones are in there. But also included some top destinations like New Orleans or Iceland, and definitely a summertime destination, unless you just want to see the northern lights. Yes. And of course, we talked about Italy and Europe is going to be at the top of any list. Yes. Now, unsurprisingly, uh, Google also found that there's an all-time high for searches around passports ahead of summer travel. Amazing. The U.S. State Department is currently processing 500,000 passports a week, and most recent estimates say that passport processing times are currently 10 to 13 weeks. So don't delay, otherwise you're going to find yourself paying for extra uh, passport expedition, and even then it's very tricky. And you may not be able to make your summertime destination. So hopefully they've been listening to you for all these years where they said, get your passport before the spring and summer. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, Let's talk about some summer 2023 travel trends. Of course, we have the popular destinations, but what are some of the types of travel and and percentages as far as that goes uh, that are that are trending for 2023. Well, you have a lot of people who are looking at the soak up the sun at the beaches, but culture is always going to be a big part of any destination. And if you're traveling with family, especially children, you're going to want them to have that educational component out there. But some of the findings were really interesting. 87.33% of the people who responded said traveling this summer 2023 is going to be one of the big things that they're going to be doing. And one of the major factors is going to be travel and accommodations, the cost of what it costs to get to the destination with nearly 50%, 47.9% saying that's going to be the most important factor in deciding on the destination. Yeah, I, I think in these last few years, prices were very affordable because people weren't traveling. But now that everyone is traveling again and the demand is there, then the prices have also gone up. That's right. Um, And that's probably leading to why 40% of the people who were talked about were looking at traveling domestically. 
Uh, these are places you can drive to or short haul flights, and the flights are going to be less expensive, but proportionally, a lot of international destinations, except maybe Europe, are going to be a real good bargain. But most people are still looking at staying in hotels. But look at the numbers that are increasing out there for places like Airbnb. I mean, yeah. this was something 10 years ago we didn't even look at the numbers for. Well, Airbnb is very similar to what was back in the day, um, house swapping or maybe even timeshare. Because I think timeshares have really taken a hit with Airbnb as well. But there was also, as I mentioned, um, house swapping that people thought, why would on earth would I want to do that? But that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. that's what, what people are doing now. I want to go back and say that these uh, the, the survey numbers that we're reciting came from real research. Uh, that's uh, a company that conducts, of course, research and, and surveys. Um, this is to provide insights to uh, travelers' preferences, interests, and the factors that influence their travel decisions. So yeah, let's, let's continue talking about accommodations. Mm -hmm. um, hotels, 20 Nearly 25% of respondents said that they preferred hotels, followed by 17.15% uh, preferred resorts. Vacation rentals like Airbnb and um, uh, VRBO was 12.24%. 12 12 and then camping, 10%. 10%. Camping really went up during the pandemic, and I think mm -hmm. those numbers haven't really gone down. People have really gotten into uh, camping. And then hostels. Yeah. Of course, you always have student hostels. That's right. But being on your own in a campsite or that isolation, which was going on during COVID, and right after, that's still going to be a, a large number. And you know what? Uh, the national parks and other areas add to that, and they make it really good. But as we were talking about before, uh, there's still... 40% people are talking about travel domestically, where only 22.83% were looking at international travel. And that pretty much matches the amount of passports that Americans hold out there and where they're going to. A lot of people are looking about traveling both. They're going to do couple vacations this year. 36.4% are looking at both international and domestic travel. And only 12.67% have no plans on traveling at all. <laughs> They're just going to sit back and avoid the summer rush and just relax. Memorial Day, they just laughed at those of us who were out there in the rush. Maybe it's the summer barbecue mm -hmm. in the backyard is going to be their travel destination. Or they're maybe just going to do a staycation, which is uh, very doable and, you know, a lot of fun. You can really discover a lot of things in your own backyard, pun intended. And I do want to say that since we've already passed the um, Memorial Day mm -hmm. holiday, those travel numbers surpassed that of 2019. That's so right. we're talking about pre-pandemic. So if that's any indication of what the summer is going to be like. Now let's talk about who you're traveling with because part of the survey was asking that. Who's going to be your travel companions? Mm -hmm. They found that 42.84% of respondents preferred to travel with family, followed by 25% with friends and then the rest preferred to travel by themselves 18.3 percent i think that number is growing too solo travel has been picking up a lot uh before COVID and now after it, it really has and I, I think that the world is now a place that makes it a little bit easier for you to travel solo mm -hmm. uh, so let's talk about some of those preferred activities though yeah, it's really interesting because we talked about exploring destinations and learning things. And 19.94%, nearly 20% are looking at historic sites, museums, and other places to explore, including local attractions. Uh, followed by, of course, food and dining. A lot of us travel for that, 16.39%. Beach activities and summer fun, 13.5%. And other activities such as camping, biking, kayaking, hiking, 12.17%. And then just straight up cultural experiences, which we love, of festivals and music and art, 11.97%. So it's a great mixture. Yeah, it is. And in terms of budget, the survey found that 33.41% of respondents have a budget of less than $500 for their summer That's travel destination. <laughs> that is definitely a staycation. 27% have a budget of $500 to $1,000. 18.25% have a budget between $1,000 and $2,000. And 
and 8.62% of the respondents have a budget of two to 3,000. Only 2.72% of respondents have a budget of more than $5,000. Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of to wrap up the survey a little bit, uh, popular versus off the beaten path um, is almost mixed. You know, some people, I would say half and half pretty much of those respondents were looking for off the beaten path versus a popular destination. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense because a lot of people know the popular destinations are ones that are most crowded in the summertime. Absolutely. I want to talk about some other travel trends. Um, this is what people are actually doing. Uh, at the top of the list is transformation and retreats. We all need uh, some transformation and retreats after <laughs> what we've all dealt with in the last three years. It's been quite stressful. And for some people, you know, with, with job security, uh, we have a lot of things changing in the country politically. I think even around the world that we all are like, we, we need some R&R. &R. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And transformational retreats, it, all, it, it pretty much comes down to psychology. Those of you who took basic psychology, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's basically going from just getting your understanding, being loving and belonging, esteem, going all the way up to self-actualization. And that seems to be a part of transformational travel. Yes. Modular hotels. So, it, and, and, mm. you know, it sounds gimmicky, but it really isn't. Mm -mm. Um, because, again, there are just so many different um, accommodations That's right. that are that are out there and people are looking for things like um, sustainability, looking for something that's more stylish, something that's more like a home away from home mm -hmm. and not necessarily your standard hotel and resort. Also pop-ups, I mean, you know, and uh, transition changing something else like a, a cargo carrier into a hotel or a shop or something like that. That's become a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, you've heard of jet setting. Yes. But what about set jetting? Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. And, and you know, we were all glued to our televisions. We had streaming subscriptions. We increased several streaming subscriptions mm -hmm. in uh, during the pandemic as well. So needless to say, from 2020 to 2022 even, uh, a lot of people were watching television shows, Netflix and chill, you know, the whole thing. And a lot of destination shows were out there. And even when they weren't based on a destination, it was made pretty clear where they were. A lot of the reality shows, and I'm doing air quotes, and a lot of the other shows, they, they talked about this. I mean, when we went to Croatia, we were shocked to see the number of people who were in Dubrovnik because of Game of Thrones. Yeah. So most people, they're seeing things and destinations on movies, on streaming uh, series. And they want to go there. They want to go to those destinations. A new kind of all-inclusive. There was a time you and I were very much <laughs> pro all-inclusive then yes. all-inclusives took a dive as far mm -hmm. as quality so we stayed away from them but they're making a comeback and they're making a difference it's not just having breakfast lunch and dinner midday snacks and then a midnight buffet but you're having high tea you're having high quality meals you're having major chefs and then there's the top end new version of all-inclusives that a lot of people are enjoying yes one thing that's on the up is uh, airport lounges. Definitely. And we've seen the transitions and the changes with airport lounges. However, I will caution you that with the swankier airport lounges, mm -hmm. they have become more exclusive. So they're not as easy to get into anymore. That's right. Used to be where your credit card or your... Uh, frequent flyer program gave you a voucher or a coupon. A lot of times the signs out front saying we're not honoring those, but you know what? These lounges have gotten fantastic with culinary chefs being part of the program. We've seen some of the ones at different airports. The food has improved. It's excellent now. Top of the line Top champagne. of the line chef. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Quality, spa treatments, spa treatments <laughs> massage, facials. Oh, come on. A lot of people are getting to the airport five, six hours earlier just to enjoy the amenities. Yeah. Ooh. Now, one thing that started happening, and we took advantage of this as well, is exclusivity. And we did that with the um, yacht that we're chartering for That's Croatia. Right. However, luxury hotel brands are getting into the yacht business as mm -hmm. well. You're talking about Ritz, 
uh, the Ritz-Carlton Yacht Collection. And something a little bit more affordable than the Ritz-Carlton Yacht Collection are the Virgin Voyages as well. So these hotel chains are getting into luxury yachts as well. And they are going to, they're smaller ships, and they're going to more exclusive destinations. And they have some more exclusive cultural and wonderful experiences on board. I think that's the most important point, is that they are not throwing a lot of casinos and shows and activities at you. They want you to explore the destination. So it's going to be large, comfortable rooms, first-hand amenities, great service, but they're going to tie in great activities at the location to get you off the ship. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Virgin is adult only. There you go. Like that. <laughs> Especially Artist- during the summer. <laughs> Artist-owned hotels are making uh, a huge uh, splash um, because, again, people really want hotels that they can spend some time in. And uh, we have we stayed in a hotel I'm not going to say the name, but we stayed in a hotel in uh, Charleston, South Carolina a couple of years ago, and it had an art gallery inside the hotel, which was quite nice. Yeah, it's more than just a place to go to for sleeping and for drinking and eating. It's for a place to go to for the experience itself. A lot of them are run and designed by major artists, and you can look for those, and there's a lot of good hotel chains out there that are doing that. Now, talking about transformation retreats, something else that's on the rise is sleep tourism. (laughs) You know, sleeping used to be, you know, you don't go on vacation to sleep, but how about going on vacation to sleep? And hotels are really beefing things up in that area as far as pillow menus, better beds, and even uh, programs to help you get a good night's sleep. And if that is your primary goal and function, to give you um, aids in which to help you have a good night's rest or two or three. (laughs) (laughs) And another one, as electric vehicles are becoming more prominent out here, how about an electric road trip? Now, that may not be true everywhere because of the distance and the recharging areas along the way. But many people, you know, uh, find out that you can travel a lot of places, especially in Europe, and you can rent a electric car, get a route map and see uh, go on a thousand mile trip through Switzerland and have plenty of EV stations along the way. Yeah, you'll definitely find that there are more charging stations in places like Europe. And in the U.S., they're really increasing as well. And you'll find rental car companies are really promoting uh, electric cars as well. Indigenous groups spotlighting their own lands. And and what I like about that is that uh, they get a piece of the tourism pie as well. And people are very interested, as we said earlier, in cultural experiences. And part of that is learning another culture, um, meeting people and learning more about them. And then another aspect of it is combining of business and leisure. You have the pleasure trips, which is a leisure trip, and you're building in a little time for business. And this has been escalated by the fact that many of us were working from home and other destinations during lockdown, and we find they can do it. Now, on the other side, you have Lizness, which is basically a leisure business trip where you basically are you're going to be on a leisure vacation but you find a little time to get some business in and that might give you a tax write-off yeah and that's <laughs> the difference really between the two the the um pleasure is it's a business trip and you tack on some leisure and listeners is i'm going on vacation and i'll get some work i'm gonna get one or two hours in yes ultra long-term planning now of course we were all we last were minute <laughs> what's available But now that things are normalizing, we are back to making long-term plans, especially for long-haul destinations, the trips of a lifetime. Lifetime, Yeah, those are the things that we're now planning uh, down the road for. Finally, travel in the summer can be a wonderful thing. Uh, You can avoid crowds by taking in some things in advance, like skip the line passes and things like that. Getting TSA Mm pre-check will help you. For example, there's a difference of 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes in the TSA pre-check lane versus 20 minutes or more in the standard lane. So you make sure that you get some things done in advance so that you can enjoy your summer travels. Well, that's all we've got for summer travel. Thank you so much, Gene, for uh, joining and helping out today. Thank you. 
When I come back, I've got the Culture Report. I'm Javon Harley, the Traveling Culturati on Sirius XM 141 HUR Voices. The world is a book, and those who do not travel read only a page. See the world with Advantage International. Advantage specializes in group travel and offers group trips to top destinations around the world. Join an existing group or have a travel specialist at Advantage design that special trip for your organization, family, school, or church. Go to Advantage-INTL.com for a current trip or call Advantage at one 877 428 Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, travelingculturati.com. Connect with us on social media and don't forget to join the travel club because the number one thing that we like to do is travel. We want you to come with and to be the first to know when we're on the go. But you can only do that if you're part of the travel club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report, and one of my faves of a culture report or any culture is music. So I'm super excited to be chatting today with Kati Gaffney, CEO of Reggae Festival Guide, a reggae media house. Hello, Kati, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hi, Javon. Thanks for having me. This Absolutely. is an exciting time of year. Yeah, music and festivals, and it's starting to become festival season. So it's really exciting around here. Yes, it is, especially in 2023. I know 2022, we started coming back into festivals that had been canceled for the prior year and a half, but some were partially done. Some had changed dates, had reduce their size. But 2023, you get the feeling that we're back in full effect with festivals. That's that's what we're seeing on our end too. Yes. Yes. So super excited about that and super excited about reggae music. I just love its imprint in the music industry and that it has really become a classic and really how it has evolved over the years as well. So tell me a little bit about the Reggae Festival Guide, how it came to be. Okay, so I got involved with Reggae Festivals through a friend of mine years ago, and I saw that they didn't have a program. I have a background in magazine publishing, so I started producing programs for that festival, which is still in existence today. I'll tell you about that in a minute. And also for other festivals, but I kept on thinking, gosh, the program should actually come out before the festivals and have the information about the basics, who, where, what, when, why, how do you get there and so forth. And all the festivals should be in one program. So I came up with the idea of creating a reggae festival guide. That was in 1995. And it started out, I think it was 12 or 16 pages. It was just for Northern California, which is where I'm from. And then for the next 25 years, it was the oldest and largest reggae magazine in the world, imprint for 20 years and then digital for five. And then at the beginning of the pandemic in 1920, we stopped the annual magazine that comes out in April where everything is online. Oh, just about everything's online today. And it makes it so much simpler because that's always my first go-to. Even if I get a magazine, I have a couple that I haven't let go (laughs) and I still get, but My first point of reference or source is I go online to see what's happening there. And I also like that it's genre specific because there's so many music festivals today. And so if you're looking for one to be a part of and you want to be specific about it, it really kind of helps narrow that navigation. Yeah. And people who are into reggae, they're diehard fans. They're not going to say, oh, I'm going to go to a reggae festival this weekend and go see a rock and roll show next weekend. It's almost a lifestyle. And the thing about reggae music and most Caribbean music is it's wide appeal to so many different types of people. And it's feel-good music. And then within reggae, there's different subgenres like ska or dancehall. And some reggae festivals incorporate different types of music within their own festival, reggaeton. So the thing with reggaefestivalguide.com is that fans could come to one place and search for festivals. They could search by the name, they could search by the date, they could search by the location, 
or just do upcoming festivals and plan their summer and they could go festival hopping. Yeah. And that's always fun to do. And and especially when you're traveling, I've sometimes have stumbled upon festivals because I've traveled to a destination. And sometimes I've traveled to a destination specifically for the festival. And both are. uh, (laughs) Me too. It's themed traveling. I'm going to London in May and our anchor date is the City Splash Festival in Brixton in South London. And from there, we'll also go see the art museums and the neighborhoods and so forth. But my friends and I, just because we're loyal reggae fans, we do themed travel around reggae. And also you find your reggae family in all parts of the world. Oh, yeah, that's always the fun part. When you get together with like-minded people and you share a passion, it makes things so much more fun. And you learn so much more as people share their experiences and the things that they know and the things that they like to do within that particular genre. But talking about your love. It's like, oh, you like reggae? So do we. Come over for dinner. (laughs) We're related. (laughs) Well, you are in that sense. You know, that relationship is connected with that one thing, but it does become a relationship and something that you both relate to in that sense. But talking about your love of reggae, I understand that you will be an honoree at the 40th IRAWMA Anniversary Awards. The International Reggae and World Music Awards. Like you said, it's the 40th anniversary. I've never been before. I know the people who put it on, Dr. Ephraim Martin, They're out of Chicago and Jamaica, and they contacted me. I've done work with them, publicity work off and on for years and years, but not closely. They notified me last month that I would be receiving an award for, I'm not looking at the exact award, but it's 30 years of outstanding media coverage of reggae and world music. Yeah. Pretty exciting. So I'm going to Jamaica to the awards ceremony May 7th. Yeah, Jamaica's like the Mecca of reggae, is it not? (laughs) Yeah, it is. And Kingston's the Mecca of Jamaica. So yeah, I'm going to ground zero. Yeah, I had a gentleman on from Jamaica Tourism not so long ago, and we talked about Jamaican music and reggae, and he talked about ska and the evolution of reggae, which was very fascinating as well. Fascinating story. It really is. So it must be wonderful to really have a passion for something and then get to work with that passion and then to bring that information to other people. Now, I'm sure the name suggests that it's a reggae festival guide, but is there a more specific focus on the guide as it pertains to reggae and festivals? Is it international? Is it domestic? Okay, so let's see. So we have seven media products. Like I say, we're not in print anymore. We used to do the annual print magazine. We have a weekly newsletter called Reggae E-Guide that goes out to 152,000 subscribers every Thursday for the last 20 years, and we've never missed issue. So that's something. And in it, people can find music and tours and festivals and industry scuttlebutt, just different information about artists that are traveling and so forth. We also do custom e-blasts out to our readership. For example, we just did an e-blast for Sierra Nevada World Music Festival. And so that readers can find out all the information, who, where, what, when, how, why. Because we've been around so long and we have high Google ranking on website and we high open rate on our e-blasts and so forth. So even though a festival might have their own email list and their own website and their own social media, they come to us, we're an umbrella And our numbers are quite a bit larger than any individual festival. We also have our social media platforms. We reach fans, but we also reach business to business. So we reach bands and festivals, musicians. They advertise with us, and then we put the information out to the fans. And for the fans, everything we do is free. In addition to being a source and information, what is the guide's contribution, if any, to reggae itself? Oh, that's a tricky question. And I think it's something like this. So years ago, when I started this company, I noticed that there was no cohesiveness within reggae industry. I come from a different background with my family. We were in published yachting magazines. And in the boating world, there was all this cohesiveness. There was boat clubs and people worked together all the time with reggae. It was everyone for himself. And I thought, gosh, if I could help 
everything be a little bit more professional and a little bit more cohesive. So we were taken seriously by the Grammys, which we are now. I mean, a lot of work went into that over the years on all fronts because these artists that come out of Jamaica that have music, they have amazing music and often don't have the resources to get it out there. And it changes so quickly with digital marketing and so forth. So they say, hey, I've got this great song. And we might say, yes, you do. Do you have a website? No, we could help them make that. Do you have an electronic press kit? We could help them make that. We could get all their assets in order, their bio and so forth, and get their music digitized. And then when they're ready, then send it out to our fan base, which we're constantly working on building. So in addition to providing information for festivals, you also feature artists or assist artists in getting their music out there. I'm looking at your site now and I see featured videos and I even see One Love International for accessory clothing and so forth, because that's part of it too, isn't it? Yeah. Anyone who's trying to reach a lot of reggae fans, they could come through us and do outreach from here. Yeah. Now, Is there a connection to the festivals as far as virtual tours or online presence? With us, no. So each festival is its own entity. They could all have a free listing on our calendar. So if your listeners go to reggaefestivalguide.com, it'll say upcoming events, I think it says. I'm not looking at it right now. They could see everything that's upcoming. And then when something catches their eye, like they see a festival that's in Bayfront, Michigan in July, whatever, They click on it and it goes through to that festival's website. And that's where you would find all the information about that website. You couldn't email us and ask us about that website. We'd say, please contact Bayfront Reggae Festival, for example. What is the best way to use the website? So if you're a reggae fan, go on to reggaefestivalguide.com and click the button that says upcoming events and poke around and see what you like and keep checking back so you're fully aware of reggae festivals, primarily in the United States, but also Canada and some in Jamaica, Caribbean, and some in Europe. Additionally, while you're on the homepage, it says subscribe to the Reggae E-Guide. Again, that's a free subscription. You click on it, enter your email, and every Thursday morning you'll get it delivered into your inbox, reggae news and music from around the world, but primarily United States. Kati, thank you so much for joining me today. I just absolutely love it. I absolutely love that it is free as well. So you're bringing reggae music in so many different ways with the history, lifestyle, current news, and of course, festivals. Again, it is reggaefestivalguide.com. The festival season is upon us, or even if you just want to know more about reggae, It's a great site to visit. So again, Kati, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's it for the show today, but I'll be back next week. And remember, wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. To find out more about the Traveling Culturati, visit TravelingCulturati.com. Follow me on social media and join the Travel Club. Special thanks to editor Ray Diaz, studio producer Diamond Sidner, video producer Howard Little, executive producer Gene Harley, and to you, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Traveling Culturati with travel pro Javon Harley. Tune in next week at the same time on HUR Voices. 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 Voices